Hello, friends and travelers. Thanks for listening. You are riding along on the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. Our mission is to spread awareness of the true hostel experience in the Americas and share stories from the fascinating hosts who create those unique facilities. I'm your host, Jimmy Black, joined alongside co-founder of International Traveler's House, Bobby Dyer, and Eric Faria, co-founder of World Packers. Each session, we sit down with hostel operators or travel influencers to hear about their road success, discuss trending hostel topics, and close with tips for travelers who are seeking to have the ultimate experience when visiting each destination. You can't afford to miss this trip. Now fasten your seatbelts and let's hit the road. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. My name is James Black, and I'm here alongside Bobby Dyer, and we are the co-founders of ITH Hostels and Eco Lodging. Thanks, James. Excited to be here at the well, D Acres. Yeah. Also, we have Eric Faria from World Packers. Thanks, guys. Very happy to be here in this amazing organic farm. And also, we have with us the esteemed manager from the D Acres establishment here, Josh. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us early in the morning here as we have quite a tight schedule here and a couple of different recordings to pull off. And we first, it may be the most interesting part of this podcast is to talk about this hostel's history and the facility itself as we're on an organic farm as well as a working hostel. So how long ago did this operation start? Um, about 20 years ago, I moved here. And the intention originally was more or less just to take over the family farm. Cool. So my great aunt was here. She was 89 years old. I was at the time in Alaska, you know, traveling around yeah. and sort of seeing the uh, seeing the country, so to speak. Awesome. And so the opportunity arose, you know, to move here and to help her in her later years. Great. Um, so the hostel evolved out of that. Oh. We sort of had, were involved with willing workers on organic farms. Wolfing, yeah. Wolfing. Love so, that program. So we had lots of um, people passing through mm -hmm. who were interested in the farming and interested in the lifestyle and the experience. That's awesome. So to combine that with sort of a, a tourist or accommodation option, yeah. it really worked well into integrating the overall holistic nature of our farm operations. That is beautiful. You know, it's so cool to see that. You don't see uh, enough of that anymore when the farms are passed down through the family generations. And then that's so cool to see that you use your experience of traveling about to evolve it into a hosteling experience. And we know from uh, working with woofers as well in our hostels that it's a, an easy switch for them. Uh, you know, it's a very comparable experience in the exchange. And that, that's really cool. Now, how big is the farm? Geez, the farm encompasses 200 acres. 200 wow. acres. Oh, my Lord. But we're also really blessed to be in this section of New Hampshire where there's a lot of open land. Yeah. Um, the White Mountain National Forest is the view shed that we enjoy, and that's oh. three quarters of a million acres. And our backdoor neighbor has a, sort of a kingdom of himself. He's had owns 23,000 acres. Oh, my land. Lord. So there's a, a lot of quiet and a lot of um, possibilities to interact with the natural world here. Yeah, it, it's unobstructed, and it doesn't look like it will be. That's a beautiful thing, which is so, you know, nowadays when you find yourself on a beautiful piece of land like this, it always seems like you're trying to get pushed out by someone. So that's great that you found yourself a little niche here where it seems like you're safe in your space. Now, on this 200-acre farm, what is the, you know, the are we working, you know, animals, vegetables? What, what, what is the, the products that we have going on here? 
a large portion of the farm, I would say 90% of it is native forest. Oh, untouched so, is native, yeah. So the forest, you know, we, we'll get into the forest and do trails for recreation. We'll do some <coughs> logging and so forth. But the real food production area is limited to about 20 acres. So you have orchard, pasture, as well as, you know, intensive annual food production nice. within that 20 acres. You guys uh, have your own market or do you sell to local suppliers? or? Well, I think that's one of the innovations that we offer here as well, is it's more of a farm-to-table experience. Right. Oh. Um, we did the market for many years, you know, packing up the pickup and loading oh, everything, yeah. traveling. And <laughs> sometimes you end up watching your lettuce wilt. It doesn't sell sure. what you're going to do yeah. with it. Yeah. So the main idea here was to put it on people's table. Oh. So, you know, instead of trying to hustle a dozen eggs for 3 $4, I can make six breakfasts. It makes 60, 70 bucks. That's right. true. Yeah. So, so it's value adding the product. Nice. Ah, um, right here in this area? Right, right here on site. Yeah. Right, right, right out of this kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the concept is to, to really compete with McDonald's. Right. I mean, yeah. If we had farms on every corner where there's McDonald's and Dunkin' Donuts that had fresh food that was, you know, supplying a livelihood for the people who were running it yeah. instead of. You know what the people working at Dunkin' yeah. Donuts aren't, aren't living yeah. a life. Yeah, um, amen. Yeah. So try, trying to figure out how to replace this modern, you know, food production system with a real food production system that the people are in charge of is what we're all about. And I think that's an awesome thing because I think so many of the so much of the younger generation is so detached from this way of life that we used to have that they don't even know it exists or it's possible. So it's great for them to be able to come to a place like this and see other people doing it mm -hmm. and that there is an option besides the, you know, the cancer infested food they throw at us at all these uh, fast food chains and uh, processed foods that you can throw on your shelf and last longer than you do. It's always a little concerning. <laughs> so I think that this is a beautiful thing you're doing here and really can be not only a cool experience, but an educational experience. Absolutely. We're, our fo major focus is education. That's great. We'd yeah. like to get people in here and tasting the food mm -hmm. and celebrating the food yeah. and you know, celebrating the process of eating face to face yes. with one another. Yes. And then they have the opportunity to go right outside and meet the chickens and meet uh, the pigs. Yeah. And, you know, study how we're growing apples or mm -hmm. lettuce or, or kale or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so there's that connection that actually exists. Instead yeah. of just ordering something on a menu and having it wrapped up and delivered to you, mm -hmm. um, this is the complete cycle. Nice. Yeah, no, th th this is inspiring to talk about because I, I, I've always been in the thought process that these large companies like Monsanto, they want us to forget how to do this so that it's just gone from our, our whole culture and understanding that we don't know how to farm anymore so now we're completely beholden to them and it's an unfortunate thing so it's great to see that there's still guys like you out there uh speaking the truth to power and doing it the organic way to educate people and we always think that hosteling a lot of times people think of it as a even if they're beyond the perception uh that we're battling right now they might think it's just for a party or just you know to get to get wild but a lot of times it can be an educational experience in which you leave a more cultured person uh and just as we were on the liberty clipper tall ship last night where they're teaching people how to sail as that's kind of an art uh, that's being lost uh this is a really cool thing you're doing up here at the farm now what animals are on the farm we have um, currently we have pigs and chickens mm -hmm. and rabbits. Nice. And there's also some pet alpacas. Is that what we saw rolling around? An alpaca out I there? Think so. 
Now, what is it, alpaca? Jeez, it's a South American camelid. Hey, look at you. It's from, it's from Brazil. So. <laughs> it's, it's from Peru, though. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. But, yeah, I, nice animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For farming, it's great, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, they provide manure. They help uh, protect the other animals. They're really aware. Okay. And they uh, keep down the grass and... They're beautiful. Yeah, they, they are. are. Yeah, I so, saw it cruising out there. I was like, "What a majestic animal!" <laughs> so, so it adds to the experience of our guests, you know, to interact with these animals, especially the kids. They love the rabbits and the chickens and the pigs, and it's a uh, it, it really adds to the overall experience. So we like to take in, you know, a wide range of visitors. Yeah, we, we get a lot of families that show up that want to sort of have that experience, you mm -hmm. know, where they. They come in and they see the animals and they have the food and they sort of have relaxing walks through the woods. We also get a lot of um, people that are really interested in the recreational elements that we have to offer around here. The skiing, the hiking, the biking. That's so, awesome. So we put a lot of effort into building up the potential. Yeah. So there's lots of trails through the woods for, um, for hiking yeah. as well as skiing and um, mountain biking. And then there's local attractions like the Rumney rock climbing that bring in a lot of people. So that would make this a year round facility that I'm assuming though, as the winter comes in, you got the skiing and everything. So that's great. So you come up on here to D acres on a year round basis. Are you able to farm in the winter? Do you have greenhouses or anything like that? Or we do have some greenhouses. We also use that other room, the solarium to grow quite a bit of greens. Oh yeah. You, yeah, you can see how that one works. Well. Some of the focus as well to this farm to table experience is to having the diet move through the season. Mm -hmm. So oh. in the wintertime, we're going to be more focused on root crops and, you know, storage vegetables and that sort of thing. Whereas in the summertime, it's more fresh greens, you know, zucchinis, peas, that sort of thing. Do a lot of canning and whatnot. Oh, definitely. All right. Yeah. So yeah, this is it. I'll tell you what, I'd like to come up here for a few days myself and just take in some of the knowledge. Were you, uh, before you got started, you said you're in Alaska. Were you working on other farms? Did you have another inspiration that kind of led you to come over here and really Make oh, this yeah. what it is today? Yeah. I mean, I went to college in, in Boulder and Colorado. Oh, and had, had some, you know, sort of travel experiences then. I went to Spain and I went to South America. I went to Costa Rica for a little bit. Right. Is that America. where you stayed in hostels your first time abroad? Yeah. Okay. First, first abroad experiences and really rich experiences where it was a multicultural yeah. opportunity, very friendly atmospheres, um, you know, less expensive than your typical hotels yeah um but more rich yeah um, uh definitely with places that had their own kitchen that you could prepare your own food and so forth and really um inspired a, a lot of the activities we do here awesome all right well we're here with josh at the d acres in dorchester new hampshire stay tuned and we'll be back after this brief break Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. James Black here with Bobby Dyer, Eric Faria, and our man Josh from the D Acres Organic Farm and Hostel. Uh, we just got a little bit of a rundown on how badass this facility is and some of the cool things going on here. But now we're just going to dive in quickly to the topic uh, of the hostel industry and its perception and how your experience has been in running and operating a hostel in the U.S. and uh, how your relationship has been with the community and if you've seen any progression as far as the comfortability of the traveler to try out hosteling. So let's start with the community-based element. Did you get a positive response when you said you were going to open up a hostel and promote a hostel or negative? How was it? 
Um, well, in this particular community, it's a very rural area. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that people don't have a lot of worldly knowledge, but it, it's not like New York City or sure. somewhere where it's a little bit more cosmopolitan. Mm -hmm. So uh, the people here relate a little bit more with the concept of a bed and breakfast. Gotcha. And so what we tried to do was uh, uh, facilitate their understanding of what a hostel is. Nice. And I think all in all, you know, the neighbors are concerned about uh, either crime, or some sort of loud noise, that sort of thing. So, stuff, yeah. So we just try to keep that to a minimum. Um, in general, I think there is the perception that a farm can't be uh, also provide overnight accommodations. Yeah. You know, for the, there's some some rule out there. Yeah, yeah. But the historic pattern has been, particularly in New Hampshire, for farms to have. Uh, overnight visitors. Yeah. Um, during the summers, typically, this is where the people from Boston would come. Yeah. They'd come up to New Hampshire and they'd stay at farms. Get out of the city. Uh, yeah. For a week or two weeks at a time, and that was their summer vacation. Yeah. Uh, that's the traditional um, vacation of New Englanders a yes. hundred years ago was to come up to the lakes and mountains and stay at farms. Mm -hmm. So we're more or less just reinventing that wheel. Yes. Um, it's not a, a big leap to imagine, you know, farms are, are big places with many rooms. Often the kids have moved on, so yeah. you can bring in guests. That's um, a good, very good point. They fill in the empty nests, right? Absolutely. I yeah. think that provides a wonderful opportunity, second income. And, yeah. And it really I, helps. I think that's a, a really cool experience that people don't realize when they talk about hosteling in general as this new thing, it's really not a new thing. It's actually what we were doing for hundreds of years and maybe thousands of years, sharing rooms and accommodations and traveling through towns and uh, working a little bit in exchange for us day. It's not like we're inventing the wheel. We're actually just uh, refurbishing a, a way of accommodations. And also in a very important way, I think with all the social media outlets we have, we're becoming very desensitized in communication with each other and eating meals with each other uh, and experiencing each other's presence. And I think that hosteling kind of breaks down those uh, social media barriers and kind of forces people to have what we call the social orgasm uh, and, and just interaction with each other. So that's really cool. Now, how about as far as your 20 years here? Have you seen a profound change or increase in the comfortability of people or the willingness and excitement to see a hostel, or do you still see the same hesitations uh, due to the perceptions out there? Well, I mean, it's sort of a two-pronged question. I think definitely people that have been traveling around and had the experience of a hostel are very open to it. Yes. You know, they, they are receptive to it because they've had they know it. all in all positive yeah. experiences. And, you know, uh, I think that that's the, the sort of the market that's easy to mm -hmm. to get in with yes the folks that come um that haven't had a hostile experiences are a little bit more standoffish yes you know they're walking in the door they're a little bit timid yeah, they're, they're a little bit around. They, yeah, yeah they're, they're, <laughs> they don't know what to expect yeah um so it's really trying to break the ice with that group mm. and really provide a welcoming atmosphere and a friendly mm -hmm. atmosphere. And you can sort of see the, the layers of their shell that's so falling true. away yeah. as they get more comfortable here, as they go out and interact with the animals, as they have positive experiences with the staff, you know, mm -hmm. um, people that are actually smiling at them because they, they like to see, you know, other yeah. people. 
first when you show up at a hotel they're paid to smile they're, yeah <laughs> and they say the same yeah. thing to everyone yeah. it's just sort of very repeat. stiff repeat yeah repeat <laughs> so so you just have to um sort of break down those barriers and open those doors and then like you're saying the magic happens yes um you you end up leaving as friends yeah as, yeah. as opposed to you know just clients sure. yeah that's that's so true we, we like to say uh, at our hostel you check in as a guest you'll leave as a friend you know in a lot of ways that's so true and we uh, a lot of times are so proud to see that person try it out for the first time and see that hesitation and a few days later they leave and they're like i'm never staying in a fucking hotel again you know and then you're like yes we got another one yeah so it's uh sometimes they, they extend yes yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we always tell you, oh I'll, i'm only staying here for a day or two we'll see <laughs> two weeks later yeah they're leaving with like, tie-dye all over <laughs> i feel like the the especially like on an organic farm like yours mm -hmm. it's almost like i escape from the virtual online world yeah right? you could really tune out up here that's for sure I like that. You guys don't. There is no cell service, or is there? Not very good. Yeah. Some people can get limited. Yeah. Um, we do have a Wi-Fi password. We just okay. changed it recently, but before it was disconnect. That's <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But it's so true. Like, you know, I can remember a few years ago if I lost reception or didn't have, like, I'd be like, oh, shit, I'm just sorry. And now I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. You know, no one can find me. You know, I'm off the grid, finally. Yeah, so, and then you've got that excuse. I didn't have reception, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the G Acres, what can I say? <laughs> so that's this great thing. Now, how, how do most people find you, would you say? Word of mouth or online? Do you use Airbnb or any kind of these platforms? We definitely use um, Airbnb and uh, for the camp, and there's Hip Camp. Um, what, uh, it is more of a word of mouth thing, as well as the... Uh, in particular sort of sectors, the de demographics of, of where we can reach out, we reach out a lot to the recreationists. So we put like an advertisement in the uh, climbing guide. Mm -hmm. And right now we're putting a lot of advertisement into uh, the mountain biking world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. connect so, to those communities. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So sort of um, really try not to go like with a New York Times ad, yeah. but more or less filling in in these little sectors with, with strong advertisement, right. but right aimed at a specific demographic. That's yeah. really good advice for other hostel owners out there and managers that, you know, so when you throw yourself on a broad OTA, you really expose yourself to everything. And then those expectations might not be able to be met with everyone. But if you have more of a focused niche financial uh, marketing campaign, uh, you can really hone in on who would really enjoy your experience and the guests you know that you could cater to the best. So that's very good marketing advice right there. It's also worked well with our educational component because, you know, the climbers show up, maybe they're from New York, they're from tech world or whatnot. Yeah. They go in the bathroom, they see the compost and toilet. Uh, that sort of opens their yeah. eyes to, you know, sort of the sustainable element. Yeah. Then we get a reputation within that certain demographic for having farm to table for having sustainable practices mm -hmm. and that spreads within such a unique experience horizontally sure within that, that word of mouth within yes. that sector yeah so yeah. That, that really works well for us and that's still i always say you know all the different marketing campaigns and ad people that come at you the word of mouth is still the gold that really is all right well thanks for that again josh and we know that you're off to do the the voting work and the good work of the people 
And we're going to have Will step in to finish up here for the podcast. But thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, that, I mean, that's an interesting point in, front, in terms of uh, integrating into the community. Because mm-hmm. I'm an elected official that does the, the voting. Are you? I'm the, the moderator of the town. So oh, I'm that's awesome. of all the voting. In, in the, you know, our precinct, so to speak, our town. In New Hampshire, very important in the primaries and things like this, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so I get direct contact with all the citizens of the town. So, uh, so they know me on a face-to-face yes. basis as opposed to, you know, Josh, the guy that runs the hostel. Very good um, point. Um, Josh, yeah. the neighbor that helps run the voting. They know you, the man, first, then that's doing it. And I think that's a very good point of the building that perception, breaking down barriers in your community. Not only getting involved in the community and having them come on to your location and see what's going on, but just being a part of the community in its raw form will help you break down a lot of those barriers. Put a face to the project. Absolutely. Great stuff, man. Thank you so much. All right. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. What a pleasure. And great job you're doing here, man. This is an inspiration. Thank you, guys. We're going to take a short break for our sponsors, and then we'll be back with Wilt at the D Acres Hostel in Dorchester, New Hampshire. Be back soon. Hey James, I have a question for you now. How can you be on the road here with us recording all these podcasts away from your six properties? Easy. I rely on CloudBest, the all-in-one property management suite, to help grow my reservations and keep guests happy. With CloudBest software, I have one place where I can see everything going on with my businesses, from daily check-ins to comprehensive reporting. It sounds very helpful, man. Tell me more about it. My staff loves it too, because it's incredibly easy to use and automates a lot of their daily tasks. This means we all get to focus on the most important thing, our guests. Cool. And how can a hostel owner get started? Our friends at CloudBeds are offering a $50 credit to Hostel Road Trip podcast listeners. Just visit cloudbeds.com forward slash road trip. Again, go to cloudbeds.com forward slash R-O-A-D-T-R-I-P. And see why tens of thousands of properties trust CloudBeds to power over 700,000 beds worldwide. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. We are happy to be here in Dorchester, New Hampshire at the D Acres Organic Farm and Hostel. And we are now here with Will, replacing Josh, who went off to do good work of voting. And uh, we're happy to have Will with us here. Thank you so much for having me. It's great. All right. So now we're going to jump into a little bit of the the gritty details of the operational day here at the farm hostel, which obviously we want to talk about the farming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mean, typically when you think farming, you're like, all right, you you are up before the sun. You know, you is that t- a typical thing here? Uh, I usually on a average day I'm getting up about six. Okay, still pretty know, early in hostel life. <laughs> You know, I spend a little time on my own and then, you know, try to start chores maybe at seven. Awesome. This is about when the day gets going. Cool, cool. And, you know, what is the the staff load here? How many work exchange woofers, like, would you have at a time, including you and Josh? Yeah, currently it's just the two of us. Two-man uh, show. Two-man show. But they're in my, you know, in my time here, we've had up to, I think, maybe eight. Eight people at a time was the, is the biggest okay. group that I've had, but I know over the years has been up to say maybe fifteen people. Okay, but that you know four, say four to seven is sort of a sweet spot for us right now. Nice. here. 
Um, right, so what do you see as the uh, kind of general chores or some of the more labor-intensive chores where you need the more crew? Well, I mean, every day, you know, the animals you require care. Yeah. No matter what, every day somebody's got to be checking on all the animals. Yeah. To- generally, at least twice a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's <clears throat> the real the real work is out in the garden, you know, for the most part in the growing season, uh, you know, out there weeding and even, you know, harvesting takes a lot of time. Sure. Um, so that's, that's where the real is the, the gardening. And then the preservation is also a, a big chunk. Right. Of what, um, now, how many people guest wise, you know, you said you could have around eight or so for staff. How many yeah. people, if you were sold out, could stay in this location? It, that that's almost impossible to say. I don't know that we, we could certainly fill up the house here in the house. You know, uh, we've got room for probably about thirty people upstairs. That's a great would be a stretch. Yeah, uh, would be pretty tight, but definitely you could do thirty, especially if it was all one group, okay. one big group. And yeah, that that would work out all right. But then we have the camping outside oh, yeah. uh, and that's more or less unlimited 200 acres you really got endless potential right? yeah i mean love what was it memorial day weekend a couple weekends ago yeah. you know we had there were probably 35 tents out there oh uh, that's awesome probably you know upwards of 50 or 60 people on site i think reasonably comfortably we could we could do 100 people here okay weekend. now what, what are you looking at you know as far as you know a price for a bunk as compared to price for a tenting camp pad yeah so uh you know upstairs in the private rooms uh they range from say 75 dollars for uh double occupancy okay and then we have this what we call the family room yeah. which sleeps five and that's 95 dollars okay. for the night on a non-holiday weekend and then the camping you want to come pitch a tent one person 10 bucks that's awesome so ten dollars per person per night for camping so and then in, also inside we have what we call the yoga room, oh, and that's, that's just like it. a big carpeted space. You know, you sort of bring your own bedding, crash out. That's only twenty bucks. Wow! So you, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, you could you could arrange, and they're all very affordable. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you said uh, you obviously run this year with uh, volunteers, the organic farm with volunteers, right? Correct. And it's not full right now, but you said like you would have just like 30, over 30 people just camping outside, mm-hmm. plus people in, in-house, right? Yeah, yeah. What's the biggest challenge of operating this uh, full uh, and keeping the staff motivated at the same time? I was, I mean, I think the biggest challenge like with those numbers of people, having people everywhere, you know, inside, outside, it's just sort of trying to keep track of, Who's who, you know, who's on for meals, who's paid, who hasn't, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Just trying to keep track of who's with who, you know, yeah. just some, is this some random, random car out in the parking lot that, that, you know, hasn't checked in, hasn't, are they just sleeping out in their car? Or yeah, yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing. Um, and then with, with limited personnel, it's just pulling off the meals, mm-hmm. you know, when you got a dinner. 30 people, you know, you take some time to, to put together yeah. limited staff. So I'm guessing you guys probably run with the lighter staff in the winter with the farm. For the, sure. You know, not being sure. in season and then uh, crew up. Yeah. You said around totally. eight, eight or so you guys like that, to have? That's, that would be, I guess, 
maybe a, a strict reach goal okay you know for us right now to manage um but yeah if we have you know four or five people that, that would be pretty yeah, cool. yeah, yeah that would, that would. What, what would you say is the most important thing to keep the staff motivated ah uh, geez i mean i'm of the mindset that if If somebody wants to be here, they really should be self-motivated. Okay. Uh, you know, like self-direct. We really try to encourage the self-direction. Mm -hmm. Like, here, here's the task. This is what we need done. Here's all the materials you need. Get it done. Get it done. <laughs> you know, that's, that's really what we're looking yeah, for. Yeah. That person that's just like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll figure yeah. this out. I've never done this before, but, you know. Right I mean, attitude. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that there's a lot. I mean, we try to encourage people and put them in positions where this is something they want to do, they're interested in learning, um, things along those lines. But ultimately, there's st there's going to be jobs that you're going to hate, you don't want to do, and it's really up to the individual to be self-motivated, I think. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Nice. That's, Absolutely. But well, yeah, that, that's it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. How, how to, you know, different people require different... Um, encouragement do you, have, do you have international volunteers here we yeah uh there definitely have been been some and again i've only been here for fair, a fairly short amount of time so i don't know the the full oh, history sure, but, sure. You know, i've seen definitely some have come through and i'm sure over the years many more yeah but i think well i think you make a great point about you know, in the hosteling industry you have a lot of exchange workers like woofers mm -hmm. and you know you do need people with the right attitude that can be self-motivated and that understand the exchange and they're going to fit in your operation because yeah. you can't change your operation for them right or else you'd totally. be running around with your hair on fire <laughs> yeah. so i think that's yeah. a very good point for other hostel managers out there that you know you can do your best to motivate them within the confines of your model and that's really important to get across yeah. once again will thank you so much and for all of you out there listeners come up to the D acres and listening to the soothing sounds of nature. Right. Tune in, tune out, find your animalistic primal ways. Ooh. All right. Well, thanks again, okay, everyone for listening. Bobby Dyer. Thank you. Eric Faria. Thank you so much. And Will from the D acres. Yeah. Thank you guys. so much. My name is James Black. We are the hostel road trip and we are heading onward to the notch hostel. Another one of New Hampshire's finest establishments on the second of four recordings today. So stay tuned and try to keep up. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Hostel Road Trip Podcast. You can check out our previous episodes on hostelroadtrip.com, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and listen every week for new episodes. Stay tuned.